Hello, I'm so happy you can join me for episode two of season two of Back to Life. That's a lot of twos. My name's Millie, I'm a DJ, broadcaster and trainee therapist. And Back to Life is a podcast that I make in my living room about healing and creativity. In this podcast, I talk to people about how they've come back to life after dark times and how they've overcome challenges such as mental health, addiction, trauma. And this season, I'm on a mission to open up the conversation around mental health and addiction within the world of electronic music. It's such a needed and vital conversation to be having. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be having some really intimate and vulnerable conversations with DJs and artists who are courageously speaking out, challenging stigma, affecting positive change and using their own experiences to help others. I am open about my own struggles with mental illness and addiction because I know firsthand how much stigma and shame surrounds these experiences. I also know how hearing about other people's difficult experiences and even more importantly, how they overcame those has been so instrumental for me in my own recovery. Our stories can be a roadmap for someone else who is struggling with the same stuff. Which brings me on nicely to my guest, who I'm absolutely buzzing to introduce the incredible Sarah Kin. Sarah is an amazing, intuitive, fearless DJ. She was raised in Tunisia, lived a long time in Berlin, and has just moved to Barcelona. She's the founder of Lazy Tapes record label and plays multi-genre rave madness from industrial hardcore techno, mind-bending acid, hard trance and even gabba. Her sets release a transcendental energy focused on bringing people together to dance and to release. But Serikin is also a self-empowerment and mental health warrior and a trained hypnotherapist. In lockdown, she founded the Instagram account Techno Mental Health, in which she has been breaking stigmas and spreading awareness about mental health in the electronic music industry in a really engaging and accessible and very comprehensive way. I loved speaking to her. She's got brilliant energy. We really got on and had so much to discuss instantly. Okay, so here we go, Sarah Kin. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on Back to Life. I'm really, really looking forward to speaking to you today. How are you today? How's it going? Uh, hi, Millie. Uh, I'm really good, yeah. And I'm super happy that finally we managed to to do this uh, podcast. What's your day been like so far? I was just wondering, do you have like a morning routine that you follow or anything like that? These days, I've been waking up quite early, actually, and I've been doing uh, like some exercise. I moved to Barcelona recently, so I live really close by the beach. So I go for like a big walk by the beach and do some exercise outdoor. I feel like sometimes it's important for me to to do activities like out, not inside the house, you know, because uh, sometimes you can get stuck up doing your stuff everyday life. And, and yeah, so... I've been doing that and trying to keep the routine, eating healthy and working out and so that at least I can manage between the exhaustions of the weekends and the traveling and everything to have a little bit of balance, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's, that's the dream, isn't it? Having a big, beautiful beach on your doorstep. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually very grateful. I mean, I worked hard for it and I'm super happy because uh, I always dreamt to have like a, to live close by the sea, you know, I'm, I'm a sea person, you know. 
I mean, I like mountain too, mountains too, but I grew up by the beach. So, mm-hmm. so and after living like almost nine years or 10 years almost in Berlin, you know, like I realized that I really needed some nature and be closer to the sea and the water and to connect more with nature. So for me, it's very like, it was really important uh, for me, for my mental health to do this, you know. I'm yeah. very grateful for that. And you, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I actually have had a very stressful morning, but I'm just very, I, I've been really looking forward to this. So I'm I'm happy to sort of leave all that work stress at the door. Like you say, just it's very easy sometimes when the pressure's on to like get up and just get straight on your laptop and then you don't even breathe or look up and ah, it's not good. So you said you grew up by the beach, you grew up in Tunisia. So what was that like for people who don't know Tunisia? Can you tell us a little bit about it, about the culture and and I guess about your then move to Berlin? It's uh, in North Africa and really close to Italy and uh, South France. So it's very like Medi- Mediterranean, you know. The people are super like warm and friendly and the weather is warm usually. And I grew up there, you know, in a little town. And uh, then I moved to the capital to finish my studies there. I studied uh, management and marketing, so which is completely different from what I'm doing now. And the rave scene then is pretty small. I mean, there's more like, you know, kind of, it's more like a tech house and minimal. It was really nice to grow up there, but at some point... You know, I felt like I needed to experience something different and to challenge myself and uh, to learn something new. And um, I had the opportunity to move to Germany back then. And um, that's how it went. You know, I finished my studies and I was like, okay, what I'm going to do now? Should I find a job here or should I just start from the beginning and do something completely different? And I never moved for the mindset that I'm going to be a DJ or anything. Like I just moved like adventures, you know, I didn't even plan to stay this long time, you know just like that and and then at the end I ended up nine years in Berlin <laughs> so 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 yeah so that's how 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 was it the time that we're recording this we're recording sort of late in September so all the festivals have just sort of come to a close and I know it's been like a really really busy summer for you and I was just wondering what that feels like obviously you've got this new place by the sea which is sounds like a lovely place to come back to but is there a come down for you or is it a relief or how does it feel when that change in seasons how do you find it I, I love what I do of course and sometimes but sometimes of course it can be pretty exhausting that you don't sleep for three days and you're traveling and you're just running between the club and the airport I mean it's part of the job but sometimes it really affects your body so I'm always very happy when I'm back here because I can chill um, I can relax I have my cat and also then I can be find time to be creative and everything you know so so for me it's kind of a relief also to come back home and to chill <laughs> but of course I like also the tension of the traveling and everything but then you know at some point you say okay it's nice to come back home too you know so you just mentioned rest and I think um that's something I'd love to talk about with you because uh, I saw you post recently on Instagram that you'd had to kind of take a couple of weeks off to rest and you know you the importance of li- listening to your body and Uh, I thought that was like a really powerful statement. We live in a world which tells us we need to always be on, we need to always be striving, we need to always be achieving. Definitely been guilty of that and and can tend towards that myself. What's been your kind of journey with getting the rest you need? Yeah, I completely agree with what you said. Sometimes it's really hard to, you know, you get in the role and you get like in a kind of like circle that you can't stop things and 
and then the next thing and you want to be productive and if you're not productive you feel like you're missing something and since uh, we had covid you know after two years staying home and doing nothing you know almost jobless you know what i mean um i realized that it's really important to slow down and uh to really consider time for for your mental health or, or your physical health if you suffer from anything chronic or anything that you have, you know. Lots of people have lots of sickness that we don't know and they don't talk about it. And uh, I think like at some point, you know, of course, it's nice to, to be active and to do things and to reach your goals. But I think also part of reaching your goals is to have like a step back, you know. And I think it's like it's so it's as important as reaching your goals because you can't reach your goals if you're like in a bad mental state mental state or if you're anxious or you're depressed and then you're reaching your goals you're not going to even enjoy reaching that goal you know and also at, at the end I always think it's about the journey it's not about the goal for me I enjoy what I do I'm not trying to reach a certain goal I'm just living in the, my journey you know what I mean yeah I really really resonate with what you just said about that idea of what I call goal orientated living we get these messages about you know reach your goals, aim for the stars, you know, like make your dreams happen. And you can almost get into that thing of just living to to the next achievement. It's all about reaching goal, but at the end, what's the goal? You know, the goal is to be happy. The goal is to be healthy. And the goal is maybe to reach your goal or being in a good mental state than reaching your goal or being completely uh, destroyed, you know. I think like true rest is something that we've, well, a lot of us have forgotten how to do. I mean, we're always on, we've got our phones, you know, where we can get our emails or people can contact us and just being kind of switched on mentally. I read an amazing book recently and the idea that we actually need the space. What's the name of the book? The book was called Stolen Focus and it's all about kind of the attention economy and our modern lifestyle. And one of the really interesting points that he was making was that actually our minds in order to be creative, we need to allow them time to like wander and just do nothing. That's where ideas come from. I think for me, it's, I mean, it's really easy to get in that, and that's, uh, you know, like you said, that uh, short attention span uh, lifestyle, you know, and to get in that, you know, especially like you said, with the social media, with everything is like right now, even someone texts you, you have to answer them right now, you know, like uh, people, they don't have time. We're not meant to have all this kind of information every day. We're humans, like our brain is not structured to have all this I don't know, this TikTok, Instagram, I don't know, likes and whatever, all of what you want. We're not meant to have that and all this information that we see constantly, like it's like kind of make us um, zombified. But in the longer term, you wake up and you feel anxious, you feel depressed. So instead of me consuming my phone 24 hours 7, I can say, okay, today I'm going to consume my phone for two hours. Instead of uh, being in the hustle mode all the time today, I'm going to take a rest to to, to eat well, uh, healthy food and do some exercise or meditation or even just sleep or do nothing. Yeah, so. I did. Um, it's a what? It's like such a long time ago now. I'm so do another one. But I did a, a detox, like a digital detox when I was on holiday last. And it was really interesting, all the stuff that started to come to the surface. I was expecting to kind of feel free and, you know, but actually all this stuff that I'd kind of not been in touch with and that I'd subconsciously or automatically just repressing through constant distraction started to come up. But then I guess the trick is to keep keep doing it, you know. Remember, so, yeah. the trick is to remember. Yeah. It happens to me all the time too. I forget, you know, like, and I found myself and that hustle and, you know, and I was like, and then sometimes I'm like, okay, okay, something is wrong. <laughs> Wait, you know, and of course I know, I know, I know when I'm, I start to leave, reach the limit when my body start to express, you know, you start getting sick, you start feeling down, you start feeling moody and you 
already know when that starts. And then I was like, okay, wait, what am I doing in my everyday life that might contribute to my, me feeling down or moody or anxious or because it's our choices also that condition how we are, you know, like uh, we have big responsibility. We're like, we should treat ourselves like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, like our pets, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> you know, so our, our son or daughter, you know, and sometimes we forget that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think really important, like you said, like it's really important to take your time. And like you said, you can't realize the things if you don't stop, because if you're on constant hustle, you're not going to realize those things. You're going to keep repeating the same stuff, you know? I've said before that life is sometimes like making the same mistakes again and again, but just slightly less bad. You can get all the awareness you like, but it doesn't necessarily break the pattern. You know, you have to keep working at it, don't you? Yeah, exactly. But I don't even see them as mistakes because I think it's all challenges. You know, I don't, I actually, I even avoid to use the word mistake because I feel like it's the word is very limiting. Like I always think about it, like I always try to reframe it and I say it's a challenge. And then if I did something not in the right way, it's a lesson Yeah, that I'm not going to repeat after. Yeah. It sounds like you've done a lot of work on yourself and a lot of investigating. But the reason, uh, well, one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you was because of your page that you started called Techno Mental Health. You know, you're dealing with things from like boundaries to addiction, um, stating your needs in the club, like all sorts of all sorts of stuff, like very, very holistic, like from the Thank you. <laughs> the whole way that you live and interact with life basically is kind of covered there in a very accessible and aesthetically pleasing way. I would love to hear why you started that and, and how that came about. I remember uh, it was COVID. It, it was uh, super dark and gloomy in Berlin. And, and I, I remember like how I go online and I see everyone like, you know, like, Lots of people are depressed, people are complaining, people are sad. And I was like, I'm going to choose time to, to learn about the, the mind, the, the brain, uh, more about psychology and about how in a holistic way also, you know, like how to, to treat uh, with our everyday life, you know, challenges. And I remember one day I was like, uh, what, what if I start a page and then I can share all the information that I learned to the people who follow me, you know, like um, and support me, you know, through socials. Then I started and I didn't think like it's going to have so much like um, interaction with people. I just posted and that's it. And then um, I had lots of ideas, of course. So I was posting regularly, like maybe three times per week. And I had so many interactions from people and lots of people reached out to me, like people I don't know, you know, and they were like, oh, I'm so th thankful to your page. Some people said to me, they even started seeing like a therapist. So for me, like it was super like heartwarming to see all these messages from these people that I kind of helped in a way, but I didn't even aim. At, at the same time, it was also therapeutic to me because all the things that I'm working on, I was sharing them to the, to the on through the page. It reminds me, there's a saying that we teach best the lesson we most need to learn. This is a positive circle, exactly. Yeah. For me, it was like a kind of way to to channel everything, you know, yeah. out. So it sounds like it also just really gave you a purpose. And it sounds like you, you were having like a really profound impact in other people's lives. And that also gave you that renewed sense of purpose and meaning in your own life. Let's talk about music, for example, when you play you don't play music for yourself. Otherwise, I just stay in my room and play music myself. I play music because I want to share it to the people mm. in a club or a festival in a crowd. And I want to make people happy. Yeah, absolutely. And so where does your interest in mental health come from? I don't know. I'm fascinated by this, you know, because yeah. it's so complex. Yeah. Because nobody finds an answer. And 
I don't think science finds the answer. I don't think spirituality finds the answer, but I think both together, they can help each other to find like an overview. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, in our society nowadays, people, they really want to think, okay, it's black or white. It's science or spirituality, you know? Mm. Or that's not the issue because like if you see all the ancient civilization, they combine both, yeah. you know? And people were doing amazing stuff. They didn't have the medicine. They didn't have antidepressants. They didn't have anything, you know what I mean? And they had ways to how to heal people. But then, of course, I went through challenges, like my parents divorced. And and then I had, like, uh, lots of things happening in my life, you know, that I had to... I lived, like, the revolution in Tunisia in 2011, like the spring Arab. Uh, That was also a dramatic phase. And then I had one of my best friends died. And, I mean, I had lots of traumas you know like that I went through my life that at the end I felt like I didn't want to get stuck in that trauma and I didn't want to live with that trauma my whole life the trauma is part of me but I didn't want it to direct my life at the moment you know what I mean Mm. because that's how we are you know we have a trauma and then it haunts us our whole life even we don't leave it again it's there it's on our body you know you know I know if you read the book the body keeps the score yeah you know so it's (laughs) It's there, you know, the body and the mind are connected, like um, even dancing. Yeah. If you go in a club, for example, or whatever, and you start dancing, you kind of like uh, all this uh, trapped emotion, all these feelings that you, the pain or the sufferance or anything that you endured, you're going to get it out. And as soon as you get it out, you feel better and you process it. That just really reminded me of uh, of someone I heard say, that we have this just very westernized idea of what healing looks like. And it looks like, you know, someone sitting in a quiet kind of windowless room talking to someone, you know, once a week, but actually it can look like dancing. It can look like singing. Exactly. It's a connecting to your inner child, connecting to who you are authentically. Like mm. we're all adults, but kids, there's a kid inside crying, you know, yeah. you know, and, and we <laughs> ignore that kid, you know? Uh, so at the end, like we really have to, like you said, connect with this, natural ways for us to express ourselves and mm-hmm. and to not get stuck in this uh, modern technological society like without uh, any feeling you know what I mean mm. and that's when the problems come from you know yeah and of course every person is different and every person have like preferences uh, every person have we have different beliefs we have different culture uh, but at the end it doesn't matter like I think whatever you think is gonna be good for you you you, you can do it even now, I've been watching recently. I don't know if I, t- I remember when I told you I sent you the documentary on Netflix about um, how to change your mind. Is called. It's talking about psychedelics. How people now using psychedelics not to go party, yeah. <laughs> to see colors, yeah. but <laughs> to to heal like in a proper way. Like with a therapist, they go in the room. They take mushrooms or LSD or mescaline, and they go in the room and they go through the whole all through all their traumas because, of course, the the psychedelic help you to connect some connection in your brain that normally you wouldn't, for example, if you had abuse or if you had addiction or if you had anything like a uh, traumatic to go through that and to process it and to, to, and to heal that part, you know, but of course, the psychedelic, it's not a safe way to use it by yourself. That's why it's always better. Like if you're going to go through this, you have to do it through with, with like a therapist, you know, and it's about the dosage and the situation and how you are. It's not like uh, people, okay, I'm going to take mushroom and go to a club. So it's really, it's really, it looks really hopeful for me, you know, like the future of uh, 
how we treat like mental illnesses and stuff like that. To sort of talk about sort of different approaches to therapy and I'm doing an integrative counselling course and I've been training as an emotional freedom technique practitioner and like I'm just starting on formalising that journey that I've been on. But I know that you're qualified as a hypnotherapist and yeah, I was wondering why you were drawn to that and what the kind of principles of hypnotherapy are. What was it that kind of appealed to you about that? Hypnotherapy is pretty deep in a way that it really make it's like a doorway to access your subconscious mind so basically we have i can explain you a bit uh, scientifically we have the prefrontal cortex which our conscious brain is in front here so this is the part of the brain when we take like conscious decisions but then all the things that uh, for example when you drive or when we walk you're not thinking it's stored in your sub in your subconscious brain you know like this part behind and uh, this is the part of the brain that uh, that normally, like, uh, for example, you had a trauma in your past and you stored it there, but your brain to protect you made you even forget that thing. Mm-hmm. And then when we do a hypnotherapy, the hypnotherapy, it goes uh, to lower your brain waves. It's like when you go to bed, you know. So normally we're running on the, um, on the beta, okay, and then we go to the alpha brainwave state, and which is like a slower uh, brainwave state. And then in that way, we can access to your subconscious mind. And then in that, you can start to, to, to access to your past, to, to, to go back to your childhood, and you can work on stuff that you stored for a long time and you didn't want to access to, you know. And then when, when we can access to that, we can uh, choose how to not be conditioned by that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we don't have to be conditioned by that. So we liberate ourselves. Actually, you can access to it alone by yourself if you do like constant meditations. Because meditation, you know, it's a, it's a part of relaxing and then to lower your brainwave uh, state, you know, like the, and to go also on a, this deep level. And then, then you can start rethinking your past and everything. I don't know, like stuff appears even sometimes that you didn't even expect so it's like this doorway and it's really, really deep. And it's really, really old. Like it, it started and since like the Egyptians were doing hypnotherapy to for people before surgery. Wow. As myself, I experienced it. And actually I was, I went one to hypnotherapy and I accessed my subconscious mind. And actually I went in, in a really deep level. And, uh, and then I left the session and I was, I really felt better. And I realized that, okay, this thing that ha- happened to me in my life, I'm not afraid of it anymore, you know? I processed it, you know, so she helped me to do that, you know, and since uh, I did a few sessions with her and then when I was in, in, in COVID, I, I, I took a class, a course, you know, an online class and I, I started to learn about it. Yeah, it's super fascinating. And uh, it reminds me of uh, Jung says that if we don't make the unconscious conscious, it will drive us and we'll call it fate or something like I'm, that's not the exact quote, but it's basically that. It's exactly that. So you have no free will, you know what I mean? So he started like he was one of the first people. I mean, he's a he believed in consciousness and everything because yeah. Freud he he completely like uh, he said no people are just like uh, they look for sex and they're like you know they're animals like even you know yeah and I think Freud he was just I mean he did good stuff you know of course not, yeah but his uh, approach was very limited yeah so I'm I'm in twelve step recovery and twelve step recovery is a is a spiritual program but it also now I realize you know there's lots of principles within it that are kind of common to lots of therapeutic understandings anyway it's it's an amazing program but Jung was very influential in the twelve steps and and was very supportive of it and so yeah so that's how I that was kind of my introduction to him I guess was through 
through people who I know in recovery talking about that, you know, because I was quite cynical about kind of spirituality and I just didn't really feel like it was ex- accessible to me because I, I doubted it until I started to yes. use it and, and, and develop a practice that kind of opened me up to it essentially and go through like a process. And so, yeah, it was that idea that there's all sorts of things that we rely on and we trust and we don't understand and we can't see. And spirituality is the same. Once you start to feel like a connection to something greater than yourself, you can't, you can't deny that. But the thing is, like you said, like it's really, for me, I respect the people who also don't feel it because at the end, everyone, we're all growing in our level, you know? So we're all going through like, a, like I am not the same person when I was 10 years ago. You know, I guess you're not either, you know. So I think for me, it's really important to respect people of the level of growth, you know, and interfere sometimes because maybe some people, they need to go through the challenges. I don't know how to explain to you. Some people are more curious than others. Some people like for like some people just like want to know about cultures, about different like stuff. And they after they choose what they want. Yeah. You know, but some people they prefer to seekers exactly and and so some people they prefer to to they're born this some way and they prefer that way of course uh, change is possible for people who are able to you know the brain is neuroplastic we can change it at any time you know like even if you're 80 years old you can change your brain you know (laughs) and your ideas and your thoughts yeah And, and that's how you can create growth you know because if you keep repeating the same things and doing the same things that you think it's the right thing to do. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. Who said it's the right thing to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like everyone has to get on board with spirituality, like necessarily because some of the most spiritual, some of the most spiritual people I know who live in the most spiritual way aren't spiritual and wouldn't consider themselves spiritual. I think spirituality is at the end, it's just a label. And you shouldn't define yourself by any label. I think it's good to have the label to understand the concept because our brain and the language, like I said, is very limited language. The language, our language, like even English language is super limited, you know, to express ourselves. So it's good to say, okay, spiritual, it's a, you put that person in a box, but then, like you said, it's about, it's not about talking about things. It's about being, like you said, it's about being kind. It's about being considerate. It's about being compassionate. It's about, about having empathy. Mm. not being an asshole basically yeah exactly I mean we've got very very esoteric and deep but I think we've like just summarized it in a really succinct way there um I I just wanted to come back to um mental health within the music industry there is more conversation there is more openness there is more understanding and acknowledgement but um I'd love to know kind of what your thoughts are like what are what are the biggest challenges really with us um in, in specifically like electronic music our biggest struggle is in- inclusion, you know, like we we have this problem from the beginning that before it was just men, you know, and then there are women and then trans and, you know what I mean? We're like, we're more like a whole collective of different aspects. And before it was a men, how to say like a... Uh, um, Male dominated. Exactly. And then now we're trying to become more like a inclusion. That's the word, right? Inclusion, mm-hmm. right? To, to be more like, to have more... Uh, Differences, I still think that there are some people like they're underpaid people because of their ethnicity or if they're their gender, you know what I mean? Like they're, I think it still exists, you know, and uh, it, it still exists a lot, actually. I don't think it starts in the music scene, especially it starts even from societies in general, like in society that when we see someone different from us, we try to discriminate him or something like that, you know, like in general people, what they do, you know. 
but now we're trying to become more exclusive and like the lineups to be more diverse, you know, and and uh, and to be more understanding at the end. We're all humans struggling and we're trying to make art and that's it, you know. So I think that is the biggest thing like we have to face. I think like we really have to to think out of the box and think that, you know, like it's not like just one category of people who can do music because music is multi, it's universal. So yeah, so I think that's the biggest struggle. And as well, and to, for me, it's very important to create a safe space because I, as far as I'm seeing, like for me, like in the clubs, I, I myself as a DJ, I feel don't safe sometimes. I don't feel safe when I go to the club, you know, like, uh, like I remember the last, uh, it's a very dark story, like in Berlin, it happened that they did the, the spiking for the people, you know, they, did you hear the story about the spiking? They take a needle and they spike people in the club with drug. I don't know what is it. So a girl, like um, like I think a DJ in Bergen, she was spiked, you know. And uh, and uh, for me, like for me, like this is like even I don't know they mentally disturbed. But for me, it's important to at least if you open a club or do a festival to really care of of their the people who come to you because these people pay tickets to come to to have fun and i think that's very important and that's what's happening now they starting doing some nights like in some festivals like this awareness team which before i never heard about awareness team you know so if you feel bad or your friend feel bad or you you feel like you 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 know like you can go to this person and they can guide you in a condition not kick you out from the club and i think that is very important because you know like now when I go to play, I feel bad because I see like all the people who come to party are people like over 18, like super young people, you know, like maybe they were in COVID for two years, they were 16, then COVID happened and they were 18. And they never party in their life. They don't know anything. And they're like babies, basically. And they come to the club and then things, dark things happen, you know. And uh, of course, um, we all, when we were kids, also we can engage in, you know, like, uh, like extremes. We get drunk, take drugs, whatever. But... If you do this, like I said, and as a safe space and you know you're safe, it's not going to get that bad. We should be responsible. Like, and, but also the, the promoters and the clubs, I mean, as well as the DJs, then we need to make people like, aware about what is the party about, you know, especially for someone who just start partying or going out now, you know, like they don't know. They think, okay, we're just going to get drunk, listen to music and go home. But it's not always the case because lots of bad things can happen too, you know. So, so for me, th- those are the two main things: is to create a safe space and uh, to to be more inclusive, you know, and equal about everything. And do you think that the rates of kind of mental illness or mental health challenges are higher within people working and participating in electronic music? Because I know that I've seen some research that says it is it's a thin line between people who go to the club to forget about their problems but also to become self-destructive and to hurt themselves and the others or also it's a thin line to go to a party and have fun and actually dance and heal i think education is super important and of course like lots of people have different intentions i mean of course some people have the intention to go to a club and dance and forgot and free themselves but also some people have the intention to go and to be self-destructive because they have so many traumas that they can deal with it and they don't know how to deal with it. So the club can become an unhealthy coping mechanism. <laughs> it becomes an unhealthy way. So you really have to have lots of awareness before and awareness comes from knowledge, I think. But the problem, you can't teach people something if you didn't teach it to yourself. 
you can say to DJ, okay, go use your platform positively and share about mental health. But maybe that person who has the platform doesn't know shit about mental health. So how they're going to teach the people? Yeah, exactly. That also kind of leads me on to something else I, I kind of wanted to talk about because I think we're kind of coming back almost to the first subject that we talked about, uh, something that I've seen quite a lot of high profile DJs expressing stuff that I think a lot of people at every level feel. And that is the kind of the pressure of social media, you know, the highlights reel, the need to kind of announce these many gigs and it kind of kind of activate you know that kind of deep deep wound of like not feeling good enough not feeling liked wanting to be loved need seeking external validation and people can get so lost in that and I was just wondering because obviously you have like a huge profile and you also have two pages to run um I was wondering what your kind of relationship with it has been like and and like how you know how you navigate that stuff sometimes I can get stuck it can happen to me that I start I'm human, you know, <laughs> I'm not a yeah. robot. Yeah. So sometimes it happens to me that I can start to compare myself a bit or I can start to to feel like, oh, I have, someone did this, so I also have to do this or, you know, like someone or all that pressure to post to like three, to post to, oh, or see the number of likes, you know, because this, 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 this uh, Instagram, it's really clever. It's really went deep in our subconscious mind to really triggers our insecurities. Like it's next level. It's a tool created by people who wants to make money, basically. With this tool, they're going to trigger your insecurity and, and make you like in this zombie who's scrolling, you know what I mean? To come make you come back to that app. Decide, okay, today I choose to not look to Instagram. It's my choice. And I don't care if the words end, I'm not going to look to my phone, you know. You take uh, responsibility for your life and you know that you're not going to be manipulated by the tool, you know, because at the end is the tool. So for me, that's, uh, that's how the problem with internet in general, we, we don't give us tools. So for me, if it was better, if they give tool, and especially for the parents and the kids, like the supervision, why it's important, the birth supervision, like if you have a child, because you know that your child, he can do that, but if you have your supervision, he's safer to use that to up you know you can't disconnect them from the world completely you know because that's how the world is functioning but at the end you there's a supervision of the parents that you know that okay after 9 p.m you're not gonna use your phone i'm just i don't know i'm not the mother i have a cat <laughs> but i'm just giving an example you know, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. i don't know I, I guess you know better than me you have, you have a child right you have yeah. a kid, right i do i i have a child and he is only two and a half and where every day, like he's allowed to watch telly at the end of the day. And when I turn the telly off every single day, he screams, he screams for that telly. He loves the screen. He loves it. Like he's just, I'm like, oh God, like this is just the start. You know, this is just the start. Yeah, but it's, you're, you're I think you're a good mom. Yeah, I think you, you can, it's good that you do that for him. Because some other parents, they, you know what they do? They don't do nothing. They just give the phone to their kids. Like they're like, you think it's crazy yeah. when I see that. Like, yeah. It's really scary, <laughs> you know. It is, it uh, is. So, yeah. so I, I mean, I went far. I always go far off the topic. I get lost in my ideas. Yeah. But I, yeah. I want to come back to the to the fact that you you have to know that it's a tool. It's not a human yeah. it's an object. For yeah. me, I believe in self responsibility and self account accountability that you you should choose how to use. 
you know, and you know if you're going to engage in it, it's going to affect you. And then you have to really, it's really hard because you have to put your ego on the side to learn how to not compare yourself to other people. Because at the end, every person has their struggles. The, the Facebook, the Instagram, it's just people showing their best life, you know, when they look the best picture. They, they're not going to post a picture when they're crying and they look shit. They only post their highlights yeah. of their lives. And you have to really aware that the person is not just Instagram because people think, oh, I open Instagram and Instagram, oh, the person has an amazing life, but you don't know. Mm. I actually think like people publicly saying that they're struggling with social media is like valuable in itself. I love it when I see like a bit of authenticity, a bit of humanity, like breaking through from the like, here's me living my best life sort of, you know, constant kind of updates that we get. I I actually love that when someone is like brave enough to just be genuine and like show their vulnerability, basically, like, you know, in, in a genuine way. And I think that's why I feel like you have such a powerful message. Because I mean, I look at like your kind of image online, you look so powerful, so beautiful, like such a so confident, such a strong sense of self, like we're all human underneath doesn't matter what our you know the exterior is like we all we're your mental health is human because we all have it exactly and when you see that perspective when you look at to people not in separation you know you look at them like a spark you know because you go through things for me or any person to arrive to a certain level i i'm sure they went through lots of shit it's not like they're born and <laughs> chilling and having a good life you know yeah lots of people went Okay, maybe some people did, uh, they're born like that, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know people like that. I don't know. Yeah, who are these normal people we keep hearing about? Like, I literally, like, everyone I know has got their, got their thing, exactly. you know, their thing that they're working through. Or... And uh, even if you, I don't know, like, uh, you're successful, you have confidence in everything. I mean, that's a good thing because at the end, you, you can be, like, an inspiration to people to be more confident because people think that confidence is arrogance. But also there's a thin line. Because some people think like, okay, you're confident, but you're arrogant. No, arrogant is like you're confident and you put people down. Confidence is where you're confident and you uplift people. But like I said, everything, it's all, I think at the end, it's all about your intention, how you use the social media. So of course you you have to do the DJ stuff, you know, post your events and inform people where you play. I do that, you know, because in, at the end... Uh, I, people will know where I'm playing. They will come, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, of course. Some stupid stuff, <laughs> funny stuff. It's it's okay. But I actually enjoy doing that. And the tool is like, of course, sometimes it inflates your ego because you're humans, you know. But it, at the end, it's not going to define my worth because I. it's not other people who are going to define my worth. I should define my worth by myself. So I think everything you need to know, you balance when to stop and when to have a step back, like I said, and take uh, take a step back balance like kind of checking in with yourself learning to check in with yourself learning to like listen to yourself it all sounds so easy when we say this stuff but it it is hard and often we only learn through 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 kind of the pain of not doing what we need to do like that's literally how I've learned anything in life is from fucking up failure like hurting myself you know doing things I didn't want to do or shouldn't or regretted or but of course the, the real, you can force also the realization it happens sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't happen so you really have to be gentle and patient and forgive yourself you know you know because at the end when you forgive that uh, child of yourself you know that made a mistake or whatever that didn't think because he didn't know they didn't know other tools you know like uh, maybe you did something because before because you didn't know other ways how to cope with it you know 
Thank you. I've really loved speaking to you today. I feel like we could carry on chatting about this stuff for yes. hours <laughs> and hope and I hope that we will continue to have conversations in the future because I've really loved speaking to you today. Thank you for uh, for the invite and the uh, opportunity to talk about these topics because for me it's really hard to talk about these topics with lots of people, you know. I don't meet lots of people like that when I'm willing to talk about these topics. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much to Sarah. I thoroughly enjoyed that chat. I was feeling pretty stressed out before it, to be honest, not because of the interview, but other stuff that was going on at work. And I just felt so uplifted afterwards, actually. What an absolute angel she is. And I'm going to put links to Sarah's Instagram page, SoundCloud, and of course, her techno mental health page in the show description. And I also have a couple of things to let you know about before I go. First, really excitingly, I'm going to be having a Back to Life party on the 28th of January at the Love-In on Stokescroft in Bristol. More details to come, an amazing lineup, some really, really exciting DJs and just bringing people together around the podcast, around the experience of mental health, addiction and a passion for electronic music. I'm also going to be starting a patron for the pod. So if you would like to support me to make more of these, you can sign up to become a friend of the podcast. I know that times are crazy hard financially for many of us right now. So I do understand that. I like what Blind Boy says in his podcast. You know, if you would see me in real life and buy me an alcohol-free beer or a coffee, then you can kind of do the virtual equivalent of that by supporting on Patreon. There'll be exclusive content. You'll get to hear episodes first. You can find more details of that on the Instagram page. You can also support for free by writing a review or giving us a rating on either Apple or Spotify, wherever you like to listen. Thank you so much again, Sarah, for joining me today. Thank you for listening and for all the support. Thank you so much to my good friend, the brilliant George Powell, for editing these episodes and creating the social media assets, which you can see at Back to Life Pod on Instagram. Thank you also to Double O for composing the original music, which you are hearing now. Yeah, I think that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and could take something positive from it. And I really hope you can join me in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Take care. Bye.